Good morning, Arizona. Why don't you come around the backyard here with me and see who we've got in our outdoor living hour on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. If you have a question about gardening in particular this Saturday, seeds and vegetable gardening. It's one 767 4348 That's one 888 rosy you can text questions to 411-923 or you can send an email if you need help with plant or insect identification to info at rosyonthehouse.com and we're actually live today out at the Great American Seed Up at North Phoenix Baptist Thank Church you. Yep, at 5757 North Central I know we're at Bethany Holman Central yeah, south exactly. east corner yep. this place is huge, I've driven past it for years it's 40 I've never... acres <laughs> holy cow well, and, I, and I just want to do a shout out, this is Greg Peterson by the way from the Urban Farm. I just want to do a shout out to the crew here at North Phoenix Baptist Church. They are so committed to bringing local food events here. The Uptown Phoenix Farmers Market is absolutely flat out the best market in the state. And it's it, going on right now. Right now. From noon and from uh, 8 until noon uh, every Saturday and then they've got a Wednesday market that will uh, happen starting here in maybe this week or next week in the next couple of weeks in October. Yeah. So they they absolutely rock it, and the church is so cooperative about, you know, working with us on the Great American Seed Up and on the tree program. They just love building the community around food. And somebody can come, hit the farmer's market now about 10 o'clock. They can come over here. We're in Building B Mm -hmm. to the Great American Seed Up. Yeah. Where you have... 70? Oh, I was going to guess a little higher. Yeah. 70 70 seed varieties? Yep. 70 seed varieties here where that people can scoop up. And I, I'm here today with Kari Spencer. Good morning, Kari. Thanks for joining us. And Bill McDormand. Hello, hello, everyone. And we are three of the founders of the Great American Seed Up. Uh, and basically, if you imagine a great big room, this is a 10,000 square foot room, by the way, uh, full of 70 different varieties of seeds in buckets. And, and you just scoop up the different kinds of seeds. And knowing you, I'm, I'm assuming the organic heirloom seeds. Uh, yep. Non-GMO organic heirloom seeds. Yes, absolutely. And okay, Why? let's say I take five of these with me. Uh-huh. How long does a seed last? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to bring Mr. McDorm- Bill McDormand <laughs> well, in on part, that one. Part of what we're doing today is not only um, making farm direct bulk seeds available to people for the best price they'll ever see because 90% of the cost of a packet of seeds is the packaging. Yeah. So you can skip all that, come in and scoop out exactly what you need. And the cool thing is they do last a long time. Well, they do last. And so um, part of what we do today then is teach about seeds. We don't want you just to take your seeds home. We want you to learn how to save them and store them for a long time. So um, it's really possible these seeds will be around for decades if they're kept cool dark and dry that's just one of the myths decades decades Decades. you know i i owned a small seed company for 28 years and we routinely got 90 percent germination on tomato seeds that were 10 years old stored at room temperature i don't get 90 percent on anything i try (laughs) Well, well you know let me explain why that is you know there are national standards germination standards for seeds and so say if tomato seeds get below 70 percent you um a company can't sell them anymore So they have to do germ tests every year to make sure that that lot of seed stays above 70%. Well, what uh, industry figured out right away is that they could blend in dead seeds to their brand new lots and bring it down to 71 and still sell it. 
And so most American gardeners, if you go to a big box and get your packets of seeds, you're buying a percentage of dead seeds that have been blended in on purpose to stretch out supplies and increase profits. So a lot of American gardeners have never had fresh seed. And once you get fresh seed like we have here, um, it'll last for decades. What's your favorite varieties out here? If you were going to go home today and plant something, which ones would you be walking you know, out with? We have some spectacular stuff. The Anasazi beans here were literally found in the Grand Canyon in a clay pot. They are a gift from the Anasazi. An archaeologist found it. His wife actually surprisingly grew them out. They worked. We don't know how old they are. As my friend Clayton would say, but they worked hundreds of years. And well, it could, could have been hundreds of years. And so, um, and this is what or we're talking more. about: stored in clay. You know, these are these are really resilient things. And so, um, Adobe Mill in Dove Creek, Colorado, the owner of the mill saw them at a farmer's market, took them in, got his growers to grow them out. Last year, they sold a million pounds of Anasazi beans. Why? They store better. They taste better. They cook up quicker than any other dry bean you've ever had. So that would have to be one of my favorite. Those are things for the Southwest here that um, that we can start to use as flags. I need a pen to start making my shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get, you know, what we're trying to do is bring our local food economy back into a, with its own local seeds so we can create a food you know, palate here in Phoenix and the Southwest that no one else in the world has. Yeah. And that's the key to real economic um, growth for our area, too, we think, in the end. So. Well, and I, and I love what you say, Bill, all the time is, you know, without local seeds, we can't have local food. Well, it's a bit of a contradiction to say we're working on sustainability and self-reliance if all our seeds are coming from somewhere else. And that's right. how it is pretty much now. And so we're trying to get people to take home these kinds of seeds that they can save themselves, adapt here. And make available to other people in the community. Yeah. So, Kari, your favorite? I am really excited about the pollinators. We have about a dozen pollinators, and their uh, pollinators are basically flowers. Uh -huh. They're not only stunning uh -huh. and beautiful, you can cut them and have gorgeous flowers in your house, but they also attract the pollinators that you need for a garden. Yeah. Well, so the pollinators that we're bringing for the bees and uh -huh. what, what, but the bees aren't the only pollinators oh out there. Oh my gosh. You Thousands. get hummingbirds, you get moths, you get ants, you get, there, there are so many things out there that will pollinate, um, you know, and that's where we have to be really careful with using chemicals in our gardens, uh, because those chemicals will kill the good bugs as well as the bad bugs. So that's why I've been organic at the urban farm for 28 years, uh, you know, I, I think it's the only way to go. Now, how does somebody come down here and participate today? So it's actually really simple. It's uh, you go to greatamericanseedup.org. Uh, all of the information is there. You can buy a ticket. We do sell tickets. Tickets are $7.50. And what that ticket gets you today is three different classes. And if you can't come to the class, we've recorded those classes, and they're available online as well. So three different classes. We've got Kari teaching about seed starting, and Bill's going to start teach about seed saving and seed storing because there's a very particular way you want to store your seeds. Uh, and then there's particular ways that you, you know, if you've got a tomato, uh, you know, you, you save the seeds differently out of a tomato or process them than you do out of a loofah uh, or a squash. So there's, you know, there's just different methods of 
preserving the seeds and getting them ready for storage. And those are the three classes. So those are the three classes. Bill's teaching two, Kari's teaching one. Yep. What time? How long do these classes last? About forty-five minutes. We've got one at eleven, one at twelve, and one at one. Okay. And the doors open at ten, so So you can come in and do your seed shopping or first, or it's open till two. So when you're done, you've got time to then go. Okay, I'm going to try these varieties. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. When you walk, so this is a ten thousand square foot room. And when you walk in here, it's a buzz with people buying seeds. You're going to want to spend some time with the, with the seeds and, you know, kind of get a sense of what you want to get. So, I, you know, if you're coming down, you want to spend two hours here. Don't make an least. impulse buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what you're saying. You know, spend some time here and, you know, play with it because well, it's, it's fun. Well, Kari's been responsible, I know, and, and the crew here. This is our fourth one. Yeah. And we're really learning how to do this. We put, you know, 300 people through here last night. And, and um, we'll have hundreds here today, and it works. And we've got beautiful color pictures and descriptions about everything that we have here. So, you know, you can take some time. And so they, the, the crew here has really done a great job. I think you'll find that it works well. And this tower garden, whose is this? Oh, this is a, a friend of mine, Nikki's. Um, I absolutely love my tower garden. I own a tower garden. It's a hydroponic growing system. Actually, they call it aeroponic growing system. Uh, and we have one here to show. So if people are interested in that, um, you know, we have information here about them. It's actually one of my favorite ways to grow. I have an urban farm. It's a third of an acre in north central Phoenix. That's 80 feet wide by 160 feet deep. I have a lot of dirt that I grow food in. And this is one of my favorite ways to grow food is in my aeroponic tower. In fact, I think we're going to put lights on it this winter and stick it indoors. Well, for actually, your Christmas tree. For, yeah, for, there you go, for a Christmas tree. It actually, that's what it looks like. It actually looks like a great big Christmas tree um, when it's all grown out, but it's all edible. All edible. So, so what's growing in here right now? Oh, let's see. we got lettuce. Uh, there's some basil. Uh, she's got some beans in there, um, Swiss chard. Uh, that's the thing I love about the Tower Garden for me uh, is the greens. It's a great place to grow, especially the more delicate greens, because they're less susceptible to bugs and, you know, other things that come with being out in nature. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. If you have a seed question, I don't know that there's a better panel of people you could find uh, not only on a Saturday morning but at any given time in the great state of Arizona. Here for you at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. Texting at four one one nine two three during the broadcast or. Email at info at rosyonthehouse.com. Again, we're at Central and Bethany Home. If yep. somebody's coming from out of the Phoenix market, you're coming down I-17, mm-hmm. get off on Bethany Home and head east till you hit Central, and you can't miss the church. There's... Can't miss the church. Or if, you're on, or if you're on the 51, you're coming in on the 51 from the other side, get off at Bethany and go west. Down to Central, can't miss the church. South side of the road. Mm-hmm. There on the north side, you'll see a bunch of tents. That's the farmer's market. North side of the market. That is the farmer's market. Yeah. Exactly. Come past that. Stay on the east side of the church. Mm-hmm. Come down to Building B, and we're in a portion of Building B. This place is, <laughs> this place huge. is huge. And We've got signs up. There'll be directional signs and, you know, like that. So seven fifty for the day. And then what is the seed cost? beyond that is that weighed that's, out by pound is that way or you sit there and count them yeah exactly you're going to sit out and count all your seeds so that's the cool part we actually sell them by the scoop okay and scoops go from a half a teaspoon to a half, cup a cup, Full cup. Yeah. depending on the size of the seed and that's the really cool thing about this event 
Is it a half a teaspoon of basil seed? Yeah. Is like 10 packets of, 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 ba- of basil packets. So we've actually designed this thing so that one teaspoon or one scoop of basil seed is 10 packets. And one scoop of basil seed is a dollar and a quarter. <laughs> so super, super, super inexpensive seeds. But they're the good seeds. And they're picked to grow here in the, in the desert southwest. Broadcasting live at the Great American Seed Up, North Central Baptist Church. North Phoenix. North Phoenix Baptist Church. On Central. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) GreatAmericanSeedUp.org is where you can find out about the event. Mm GreatAmericanSeedUp.org. Why? Yeah, that's a good question. So why save seeds? Yes. Um, You know, my own, I've been uh, bouncing around in this subject for about 35 years. I was actually an Eagle Scout. I wanted to be an attorney. And I uh, and I ran headlong into uh, the fact that I th- just think this is one of the more important things that we collectively should be doing. And I thought I'd get involved with this for a few years, and it's 35 years later, and I'm I'm still doing it. And so it's important because um, our industries, especially our agricultural industries and seeds in particular, become so centralized. We've got three companies now that own and control about 62% of the world's seeds. And as these companies get bigger, the mergers and acquisitions are happening as we speak. Um, we're getting ready to sell Syngenta to ChemChina. Dow and DuPont are merging as we talk. Bayer Corporation in Germany is buying Monsanto. So we're going to end up with very few companies. None of them are American-based. And the most important thing if we, you live in the Southwest is we're in a fringe climate. Those guys don't care about developing new varieties for us in our agriculture. They're just going for the high profitable areas, the big areas of the world where they can grow the most wheat, corn, and soybeans, basically. And so if we want our own agriculture, our own food, we're going to have to to have our own seeds in the end. And we do that by growing and saving our own. And so that's why seed saving is so important. Now, a couple of myths. Most American gardeners think it's difficult. Oh, my gosh, I've got to have minimum population numbers. I can't let things cross-pollinate. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. No. The smaller your agricultural operation, clear down to one pot or your tower garden, the smaller you make it, the easier it is to save seeds. You don't have to follow all those rules that big ag has. They need uniformity. They need predictability. They need all sorts of things that make it really complicated. But if you're saving seeds in your own home garden, even if you make the worst mistake you can make genetically, guess what? You still get to eat it. You're still gardening. Isn't that great? (laughs) And so gardeners have always been the one to create new diversity and find new mistakes that are adapted to where we are. And so just remember that as a gardener. Save everything. Make all the mistakes you can, and you may come up with the next home run for American agriculture. Like a pump zini? A pump zini. Well, you know, my, one of my other favorite things. Pumpkin are, and zucchini, I'm just Yeah, yeah exactly. One of my, that sounds uh, disgusting, by the way. <laughs> hey, Romy, 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 this is the studio, and I've got a call. Someone wants to know they went on the site to buy tickets to attend the seat up, and the website saying tickets sold out. There's, y'all, y'all have plenty of room, don't you? Oh, oh yeah, we got plenty of room. I'll, I'll okay. I'll I'll get on that right now. Okay, just thought I'd give you all a heads up. Thank you. Yeah, no, we have we have plenty of room for yeah. folks. So one of my other favorite varieties that's here is Waltham. You can use this computer, Greg. <laughs> is Waltham butternut squash? 
So where did that come from? It's the largest selling winter squash in the world, right? Holler and Company out of Rocky Ford, Colorado, sells a million pounds of Waltham butternut squash seed every year. Where did that come from? It was a mistake in the backyard of an insurance salesman in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's just one of the examples. In fact, American agriculture is a series of mistakes. Sweet corn was an was nobody even thought that you'd ever be able to eat sweet corn like we do. It was one plant found in a field in Pennsylvania in 1900. That's what built burpees. And so, you know, it's time for American gardeners to take this back and wake up again and realize we got to start saving our own stuff. And we're actually the foundation of agriculture itself. And so when we start to teach people how to save seeds, then you can even get easier inside of that. There are five vegetables that every gardener probably wants to grow that are the easiest to save seeds from. All right. They're tomatoes, peppers, peas, beans and lettuce. All right. Why are they easy? Because they're self-pollinating. They don't even exchange their pollen with other plants. You'll just get what you save the seeds from. Doesn't matter what the neighbors are growing. Doesn't matter what other varieties you're even growing in your own yard. By and large, you save the seeds from a tomato, you're going to get the same tomato. How easy is that? And you'll probably, and one of the things that gardeners then start to realize is that in one tomato, If you just save the seeds out of one tomato, you'll probably get enough seeds for your own backyard for the rest of your life. And then you can still eat the tomato. I mean, what kind of a deal is that? (laughs) And so that's why we're so excited about seed saving and exchanging all this information in seeds is that the real wealth in gardening is in seed saving. And and Phoenix is starting to wake up around that. Yeah. So 70 seed varieties here. Yep. Did you bring all 70? Did Greg bring 20, you brought 50, did well, Kari bring them all? Yeah, we've collected them. <laughs> it took about 30 years' experience in and around the industry in the United States to pull together these varieties almost directly from farmers. And so this is a real, this event doesn't happen anywhere else. Nobody's really figured out how to do this yet. And no matter where in the great state of Arizona you are, you have time to get here for the Great American Seed Up. It's back online. Back online. You can get tickets online. You can also just come on down. Get them at the door. Yeah, yeah. Get them at the door. Yeah. Wow, that's quick computer work. You guys are good. <laughs> you got a good team here, Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Janice. one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Back after bottom of the hour news. All right, so now I've got my package of tomato, uh-huh. pepper, peas, beans, and lettuce, self-pollinators. Right. And we're joined at the, the Great American Seed Up uh, with Mr. Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm, Mr. McDormand of the Seedmaster, well, Copper Grader, <laughs> Wizard. I'm actually the executive director of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance. Okay. And we're set up to educate as many people as possible and inspire them to save their own seeds on the whole spine of the Rockies all the way down into Arizona and New Mexico. And we are broadcasting all the way up to Flagstaff uh, Saturday morning. We've got Prescott listening in Sedona. So you specialize in seeds for high altitude. So this event absolutely applies to them. Right, but also fringe climates like the deserts. The Mountain West has some of the driest coldest hottest places on the planet and so that's what you know we want every and that's the key to overcoming that is every time you save your own seeds they begin to adapt themselves to where they are 
So this, this That's the beauty of saving seeds. What an incredible technology. And you can hold it in your hand. <laughs> I have I have parsley that has been growing for at least a decade at the urban farm. And it's an annual, so it comes back every year. So it goes to seed every year, and I just spread the seeds in the yard, and I have a forest of parsley. And it's every year it gets better at growing in my space. And Kari Spencer of the Micro Project yep. is with us. The Micro Farm Project. Micro yes. Farm, sorry. Oh, and I have some really. I'm going to call call Kari out on something. Oh, some really exciting news. Oh, okay. She's written a book. Oh. That is coming out in November called. City farming, City farming, a how-to guide to growing crops yeah. and raising livestock in, yeah. in urban spaces. Yeah. Very cool. So, Coming out in November. Yeah. Yes, All in right. November. How many pages? 350-some. It's a textbook. Yeah. Like We get uh, a signed copy? Size. Certainly. <laughs> Dang straight, we're getting signed copies. <laughs> so I've got my five uh, varieties. Uh-huh. What do I do now? How do I start it? Well, there's basically two ways to start seeds. Um, you know, on your list, you've got beans. With a bean, I would just direct sow that, meaning mm-hmm. I would just throw it in the ground. Well, all right, don't throw <laughs> it in the ground. But you, for beans, for the bigger ones, I'll take my finger and I'll poke a hole in the ground in your healthy soil and go down about two and a half inches and cover it up. Yeah, right now, in the soil, right? Do in the you or do you Tom Sawyer somebody into doing it? No, I do it. You do it? Okay. Yeah. And I heard about the trench it had to get done that some intern was digging. Oh, yeah. Well, well and I, I have volunteers that come and help at the urban farm, but I do a lot of it. I, you know, I've been growing food here for 42 years. So it, wow. Yeah. So, so two, beans. Two inches on the beans. Yeah, so yep. I'd put a bean a couple inches down in the ground directly in the soil. They grow fast. One bean per hole? One, well, one or two beans mm-hmm. per hole. You know, if you're using seed here, it's going to... You're going to have real good germination rates. But if you, you know, bought them um, and you're not really sure about the germination rate, then you might want to put two beans in a hole just to make sure. And um, then you just cover them up, water them, keep them moist until the seeds sprout, and uh, you grow bean right there. Yeah. Easy peasy. But if you want to grow something like a tomato here in Arizona, tomato seeds need a very specific temperature to germinate, and it's too cold when we need to start them in the wintertime. Uh, to just put them in the ground and grow them. So generally, we start uh, tomato seeds indoors around uh, Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. sometime. So with that, you want to start with sterile seed trays and, and uh, some sterile, sterile seed starting mix and uh, plant your seeds in that mix inside. Make sure that it gets you know six to eight hours of, of light. So make sure it's in a really sunny window Keep it warm and keep it moist, and those seeds will sprout, and you can grow them up to be big enough to put out in the garden sometime in February or early mm-hmm. March. Um, so there's you know, those two ways, directly in the ground, or you can start them in seed trays indoors. So we have a bed at the urban farm that we planted out this week, and we planted beets and carrots and broccoli and cauliflower um, and uh, kale and Swiss chard, all from seed. And so here's one of my favorite gardening hacks. You get your garden prepared, you get uh, your watering system in, whatever that's going to be, and you plant out your seeds, and then you put a bed sheet on top of it. Just you put it to bed. And you put it to bed. There you go. I've never thought of it that way. Do you sing to it? Yeah. But you put a bed sheet over it. lullaby. Put some rocks on the corners of the bed sheet and water the bed sheet. The bed sheet acts as a top mulch. It acts as a barrier against any bugs or uh, birds, birds that are going to mm-hmm. dig these up, and you water them that way for a couple of weeks. And, and the, 
the seeds themselves won't go through the sheet, but they'll kind of pop up the sheet. So you'll know after a couple of weeks when you've got all kinds of little pokies, you know, pushing the bed sheet up, that it's time to take it off. That's a great way to start it. Right. And once your seedlings are a couple inches tall, the birds aren't as interested in them as they are when they're seeds or when they're just tiny little sprouts. Yeah. So that's a great tip, Greg. Yeah. Now, have y'all seen the, I think they call them olas? Oyas. Oyas. The the clay pots filled with water and you stick it in the ground and the water just wicks through. Mm -hmm. I've seen those four seeds. Wow. Like a seed starter oya, is that what you call it? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So the way they work is they're made out of clay. You put water in them and it kind of drip irrigates your garden over a 24, 48, 72 hour period of time great technology and it's actually an ancient, ancient. technology that we didn't invent Did, didn't know. the whole come live, yeah exactly. live here on all the major boulevards and use all the canals that were spaces that were used yep. now that phoenix really is a phoenix <laughs> it yeah, came exactly. up out of the ashes exactly. of another yeah so and the other cool thing about growing food uh, in arizona in the low desert is we can grow all year round and i have a planting calendar that i've been giving away online for a couple of decades at plantingcalendar.org. Uh, it, this tells you what to plant when. And right now is a great time for... Garlic. I'm mm-hmm. looking at that because that's one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. But um, greens. Oh. Right now we can get started growing some greens. So if yep. you want lettuces and kale and uh, other types of greens, this is the time to yeah. go ahead and get them planted. Exactly. Broccoli, mm-hmm. cauliflower. Swishard. Well, and the mustard greens. Mustard greens. Snow peas. Uh, it's a great time for snow peas. If you plant snow peas now, and we have two different varieties here at the Great American Seed Up. Right. But if you plant them now, by January, you'll be eating these ripe, luscious snow peas off of your, you know, snow pea plants. So then we actually, I like to call it four growing seasons. So one's now. The next one is back in January when you can replant the greens and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then after our last frost, you can plant tomatoes yeah tomatoes squashes peppers okra uh, eggplant those kinds of things and our our last frost is usually somewhere around valentine's day yep yeah and then the other cool thing is that you can replant a lot of that again at the beginning of summer right you know right before the monsoons come corn corn like summer corn like summer do people really grow okra here? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I have <laughs> some in my yard I, right now. I yeah. never understood okra. You know, there's always something, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I never understood it either, but it grows <laughs> practically like a weed here. Wow. For, for a few years, I had and it. Right in the heat. I usually plant oh, yeah. mine starting in July, yep. and we'll have them through, uh, through November. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get honking, and you can make uh, oh, yeah. cornichon and ferment it with um, pickles. I don't, we've got carrots, um, wow. onion, yeah, it's it's an old Cajun recipe. Like a pickled well, vegetable mix? You just, oh. you know, pick it out and eat it and munch on it. Oh, uh, okra is best fried yeah. <laughs> or fermented. <laughs> it's, oh, right. it's not a raw. Yeah, 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 you, there you go. A lot of people put it in gumbo, but I don't like okra in my gumbo, yeah. which actually gumbo means okra. Oh, okay. there you go. There you go. And it makes pretty flowers, too, if you let them Oh, it makes gorgeous flowers, that's for sure. So one of the things I always like to... Go ahead. It's one of those that you feel like a successful gardener. You just, if you can grow it, there you go, there you go. You know, that's really important. you got to have, have an easy win. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I noticed over the years uh, 
when I had my small seed company and I talked to gardeners all over the country, this was before the Internet, you know, so if people had a beef, they would call you, right, is that most American gardeners are still really uptight. They're afraid something's going wrong, you know. Oh, my God, planted too late or or now I've got too much zucchini or whatever and everything in between. And it was like I found myself almost as a psychologist <laughs> week after week going, calm down. It's okay. Take a deep breath. You're going to be, you know, be happy in your garden, you know. And so if okra makes you happy in your garden, yes, that, exactly. I'm into it. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I, I don't get this so much these days anymore because i think people have smartened up to it but 10 years ago people would ask me what they should grow what do you like to eat <laughs> yeah it's like what do you like to eat what do you you know don't plant something you don't love right and so. that's the same for seed saving pick one thing yeah you know if you picked one thing like james l reed did um in the 1840s oh, this is in Illinois, northern Illinois, he had a corn he liked, his yellow dent corn, and it made flour, and it was his family sort of heirloom. And didn't work when he first got up to northern Illinois. Corn doesn't like to go north, but he combined it with stuff there that did. And for 40 years, his family just saved the seeds from the ones they liked. And in 1890, they won the Illinois State Fair. The next year, they won the World's Fair, best corn. And Reed's yellow dent corn went on to be the best-selling open pollinated flower corn in the world in the 20th century and that's just one family saving what they liked every gardener in phoenix can do that you can change the world forever if you find the thing you love and you just keep saving it and adapting it to where there is, wherever you are and we don't have that anymore and that's what we need to bring as a foundation back into our local food agriculture mm -hmm. and what's the plant it's like uh when you're talking about combining and making your own, they have a plant that they sell. I think they call it called ketchup and fries because it's a potato and a tomato. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> ketchup. And, well, you know, they're they're in the same genre. Right. Yeah, you can play with all sorts of stuff. We've just gotten started. You know, Luther Burbank, you know, uh, probably it was like he was on drugs, <laughs> you know, because he just kept discovering new, unbelievable, unthinkable combinations of things. And that's what we have as an opportunity for ourselves. Yeah. So there's no reason you don't need to watch television. You don't need to go anywhere. All that excitement and creativity can happen Habits right in, in your, your garden, right in your own backyard. Yeah. And that's what we need to reclaim. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you broadcasting live at the great American seat up opens at 10 o'clock opens at 10 o'clock today. We'll be here from 10 until two. We've got classes at 11, 12 and one. And those three classes again are seed, Seed saving, uh, growing from seed, and seed storing. We'll talk about the fineries. We'll even talk about Dr. Prof uh, Dr. Bugby, Utah State University, who got the contract from NASA to study seed storage on a trip to Mars. How are we going to store it? What's the best way to store seeds if we're going to have to grow food on Mars once we get there? And every scenario for humankind going to Mars... Uh, involves growing food once we get there. Yeah. Otherwise, we just can't afford to do it. And so, yeah, we'll talk about that. We're, we've got up-to-date information on how to store your seeds. <laughs> All right, here at the North Phoenix Baptist Church. Did I get that right this yep. time? On Central Avenue. Central and Bethany Home, <laughs> 5757 North Central, greatamericanseedup.org. Come around to the east side, Yep, Building B. Mm -hmm. And you can stop well, at the Farmer's Market that's open now yeah, on your way in. Yeah, come and check out the Farmer's Market, too. It's an epic Farmer's Market. And we ha we'll have...
There'll be signs of directing into the building and everything. Final segment of our Outdoor Living Hour with urban farmer Greg Peterson right after this. So have you caught seed fever yet? Oh you ready God. to plant something? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> have I caught seed fever? <laughs> Romy, Bill? This is September, right? In Phoenix, we get spring fever right now. Yeah. This, this is, is the time. time. Yeah. I yeah. feel the need, the need for, for seed. seed. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is what seed fever turned into for us. I mean, over a thousand event. pounds of you know, buckets of seeds, 70 buckets of seeds that people can come in and scoop. You know, and here's the reason that this came to be. Um, about 10 years ago, I took on creating 10,000 urban farms in Phoenix because I figured that we needed at least 10,000 urban farms to be able to feed Phoenix. And I have this commitment over the next three or four decades of my life, whenever I, however much time I have left, to create Phoenix as a regenerative, not sustainable, regenerative is farther than sustainable, a sustainable food system here, a regenerative food system here of growing our own food. And one of the things that I noticed was that what we're missing is seeds. So Bill and Bell and I were on on the beach here a few years ago, and we said, what if we did this? What if we got 10,000 people in Phoenix to put seed banks in their freezers? And then what if we taught them how to save the seeds, how to store the seeds, and how to start them? That's how this seed fever started. <laughs> well, and then, you know, you could talk about doing that, but um, it took 30 years of Greg's experience here in organizing. And, and Kari brought in a huge piece about you know the the gardening community and how to start things and then i had almost 30 years experience in the seed industry and so this is a unique combination of talents that came together to do this and so there's nothing like this anywhere else in the united states where you can get access directly to these kinds of heirloom heritage all-stars all of these are in, in their own way. And it's really the best place to start your own seed saving adventure. And again, we're doing this for high minded ideal reasons, really, yeah. is that we want to live in a community that's healthy. And if we all do this really well, we pay attention, we work hard and we inspire each other. We might just make it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's our thinking on the, on the yeah. thing. A texter wanted to know, are walk-ins welcome or do you have to I'll register? Come on down five, seven, five, seven North central, follow the seeds to the great American seed up. Perfect. Yeah. We'll, so, give, we'll give you a hug. There you go. <laughs> Storing seeds. Storing seeds is a really interesting thing. Uh, you know, our mantra in Seed School Online, seedschoolonline.com, our mantra is cool, dark, and dry. And one of, the th one of the places that I actually store seeds is in the freezer. That's cool. That's dark. And if you put them in a jar, that's dry. So you want to dig a little deeper into well, that? If, if you put your seeds in a refrigerator or a freezer, I mean, the, the general thinking in the industry is that the colder you make them, the longer they'll last. I mean, the National Seed Storage Laboratory, they've got them in liquid nitrogen now at 400 degrees below zero. <laughs> now, will those right. last 600 years like the, the ones in the clay pot in the Grand Canyon? We don't know. We just started doing this, you know, a lot of speculation about it. And so, um, but um, regular plastic bags, even freezer bags will allow some moisture in. We've all seen that. 
You know, you mm-hmm. throw something in your freezer for two years and you look inside, you go, how did all that get in there, yeah. right? So if you're going to put them in the fridge or the freezer, take your seed packets or take your plastic bags and put those in something impermeable, like a glass jar. Or there are new plastics that are made for that, but they're much thicker and much harder. And a plastic jar, I could just, any mason jar for canning. Would, yeah, yeah, mason yeah, jars are great. And then remember one thing, when you when you take your seeds back out, let it sit there until it warms up to room temperature. Otherwise, the second you open that jar, all the moist air in your house will go into that jar and condense on the inside. And immediately you've got moisture in your jar. Yeah. And so you just have to be a little bit careful. Now, what we found is that um, keep them below 80 degrees. That's the die-off curve. This is what Dr. Bruce Bugsby figured out on this Mars project. It's that if you keep seeds below 80 degrees, they'll die off a few every year, but it's a pretty slow die-off. And they'll last. some of the seeds will last for decades. Okay, so just keep them out of the window of your car. You know, don't cook them. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't leave them in your car. You know, that that's what you want to do. And if you'll do that, you know, so room temperature seeds, as I said, we've had 90% germ after 10 years with tomato seeds. And, and you know, the, the dry part, we're in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, if you're going to put them in a glass jar and store them long term, just don't do it on a rainy day here. You know, 16% humidity is not unusual here in Phoenix. And so we've got the dry part down. The whole Mountain West, we're, it's easy. If you were in Cajun country, you may have, may have a trouble with that. And, there, you know, those little silicone desiccant bags that come in everything you buy from Amazon, just toss one of those in, and that will help keep them dry. Seed storage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And, you know. And where are all these stored? I mean, where, where will the excess... Of what's not sold well, here ago. <clears throat> excuse me. With any luck, they're all gone. Right. <laughs> and we, we blew through an amazing amount of seeds last night. Uh, we had um, two, 200, 250 people here scooping seeds, and we sold almost 10,000 scoops of seeds. Wow. Yeah. So we're hoping that they're going to... You won't have that, that problem. We won't have but that problem. We exactly. have pretty good data now. And again, 30 years experience. We've got a pretty good idea what's going to sell and how much. Yeah. Now, what we, what we find, though, is some people get caught up in it and do real big scoops, you know, with the heaping. Yeah. And we try to ask people to do it as level as possible. And that just helps us predict better so yeah. everybody gets seeds. And so. it's, it's, that's on the honor system. And that that's the cool part of this. You know, you get to come in. You get to scoop it up. You get so each of them, there's a little business card with each variety. And this business card talks about what the seed is. So you have a scoop. You have a, zip, a zippy bag. You put that's the scoop in the bag. Slick. You grab the business card. This one says Roma Tomato. And then on it, it says 70 to 75 days. It's a terminate. It's heirloom. And it talks all about it. It talks about how to culture it, you know, how to, you know, make it grow. So just come on down. It is. This will be the most epic event that you come to this year. Great American Seed-Up, North Central or North Phoenix Baptist Church yes. on Central and Bethany Home. Bethany Home. Great American Seed-Up. Building B. Building B. Follow the signs. Historical. Thanks for having us. I'd like to share with you a great American family success story. It's the Irwins. Mr. Irwin and his wife started a furniture restoration company. He does restoration. She does cane weaving. 
and it's grown into so much more with the growth and addition of their kids, the business needed to expand, and the sons expanded it and now offer full custom cabinet building. Whether you're looking for old furniture restoration or maybe some new custom cabinets for some feature in your home, start with the Irwins, Irwins Furniture and Cabinets. Did you hear something in this hour's broadcast you wanted to listen again or share with someone else who could use the information? It's easy. Go to rosieonthehouse.com and select podcast. Select today's broadcast, and inside you'll find that each of our four hours are broken down into our four individual segments. And we include keywords for quick referencing if you're trying to find that one specific topic we talked about. Or click on the podcast link and the whole hour will be downloaded to your podcast. All at rosieonthehouse.com.